Hello and welcome to your weekly podcast from Freestyle Media in partnership with Magic 5, uh, where you can get 15% off uh, their gear by using the link in the description to this episode. Uh, and do also check out Oxalt Strength and Conditioning. Uh, so Nathan works with swimmers uh, and produces personalised land-based strength and mobility programmes to help you get faster in the pool. Uh, so that is www.oxalt.com. Uh, so this week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, goal setting uh, and how realistic and unrealistic goals uh, can affect your mindset, which could basically mean that you win or lose a race before you even dive in. Uh, and there's no better person uh, to talk through all of that with us uh, than sports psychologist and the owner of Think, Believe, Perform, Helen Davis. Uh, so thanks for joining us, Helen. Hi, Joe. Uh, thanks very much for having me. No, you're welcome. We were just chatting before we came on air. Um about when you came on the podcast before and I think it was something like episode number five or six um so it's really cool to have you back on episode 78 this one will be so it's uh, it's been a while um uh, but no def- definitely nice to have you back and uh, as I say you're the perfect person to talk to about the subject oh well th- yeah thanks I'm looking forward to it. 78 episodes that's that's well congratulations that's amazing no thank you yeah 18 months in now and um Everybody, well, a lot, a lot of people seem to like it, so that's uh, that's the main thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you had a really good twenty twenty three. Again, we were just talking about the fact that you were at the Rugby World Cup for one thing. Um, you know, you worked with you know numerous teams, probably individuals as well that I don't even know about. But just give us a bit of a flavour of, of what you've been up to recently. Well, in twenty twenty three, it was quite dominated the first half of the year with working uh, for the Red Roses, the England women's rugby team, and. Uh, so, yeah, last year, the, the, I guess the highlight was uh, winning a Six Nations tournament. Um, and that was absolutely incredible because it was at Twickenham Stadium. It was the largest ever audience for a women's game, which was about 58,500 people at Twickenham Stadium. Oh, and it was the most incredible experience um, well, for us as staff, but also for the players and the, and, and the fans that... Um, it, we, our, our, our bus was literally followed by people from the hotel all the way to the stadium and the, the noise was absolutely incredible. So that was a real... A real highlight for me, um, and obviously we were Grand Slam champions, and we won the tournament as well. So um, it was a great thing to be part of. And I kind of went from um, working in rugby to then working in tennis. I've been working with a tennis player for a number of years now. So I then was working at Queen's tournament um, and at Wimbledon for the grass court season, which is always an absolute uh, joy for me to do. I Love going to those tournaments and uh, and working in tennis as well. So um, yeah, you know, seeing incredible tennis players playing on the, the one of the well, the greatest stage, probably the world's best tournament that there is, uh, Wimbledon, is uh, an absolute highlight. And then I took a break uh, for the summer. I uh, I've been working very hard and been away a lot for the last few years with my job with rugby. So. I had the summer off, which was absolutely wonderful because we'd had some building work done on the house and I could actually be at home and enjoy it uh, last summer. So um, that was great. And I've been working with private clients ever since where um, lots of swimmers actually at the moment, but in all different kinds of sports as well. I'm working with people in running, triathlon, um, football, cricket golf so you know a real range of sports again which is really nice to be working with individuals again because um, I feel it really makes a, a big impact on their performance. Absolutely I mean that's one hell of a list you've just reeled off just from one year alone I mean even just half a year the first half was amazing um, but I mean let, let's be honest the highlight of your of your whole year was uh, Ponds Forge in October right? Absolutely it always <laughs> is Sheffield can't, can't yeah. beat it. 
No, not 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 at all. It is it is it is really good. Um, it was really good. It was really good to be back at Sheffield actually because of my job. I've I, I've missed it. Um, I wasn't able to do it the previous year, so um, I was really really looking forward to going back. And and as always, it didn't disappoint. Yeah, it was one of those nice moments actually because I, I didn't realise you were going, and then um, you know, so I didn't I, I didn't know to look out for you, and I think I was just heading out of the pool area to go and get like a, a coffee or something. And just saw you in the in the corridor, and I thought, oh, this is so nice to actually meet you because, again, I, it was one of those. It, you were one of the faces I weren't expecting to see, so it was really nice to to see you there. And um, yeah, obviously a big pleasure. Um, but you know, in your years of of working in this industry, and you've reeled off all the sports there, which is which is great because um, all sports are different, but you know, all all human minds kind of probably have lots of similarities when it comes to uh, you know competing. How much have you seen psychology kind of grow in importance over the years? Well, I've really only been involved with sports psychology for about 10 years probably now because I came to it having had a career change in my early 40s. And I just think in that time, in the, in the, since I've done my training, it has changed enormously. Um, I think mainly in two ways, really, that I noticed in terms of my experience. So particularly with teams, I think nowadays teams really do – um, focusing on having a multidisciplinary team around them, of which a sports psychologist is part of that. And I think there's more innovative ways of using sports psychologists within teams now where there's maybe a, a team of psychologists and it's part of the conversation. It's part of the consideration that people use psychology in their day-to-day. So it's not just, oh, here's a psychologist, they're going to go and do a workshop for us. You know, it's part of what is integrated within what is going on on a day-to-day basis within a team environment. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I think, um, well, individuals really and parents um, noticeably wanting parents for for young people uh, but also individuals recognising that sports psychology and skills that you learn within sports psychology actually can help them benefit them with their sport yes but also it can be translated into day-to-day life as well and that uh, those kind of wider skills that they recognize can be useful as well so um it's it's a hugely growing area I think it still continues to I still don't think there are the number of sports psychologist roles available for the number of students who are coming in and training to be sports psychologists I it's incredible the amount of people that that are wanting to to it's, it's great but but i'm not sure that there's quite enough work to 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 you know for all the people that actually want to do the roles at the moment but i mean that's brilliant to hear though that obviously it is becoming of such importance that so many people want to do it. and also that that just shows that people seem to enjoy that side of things as well um you know when you, when you think back many years ago people again probably just didn't even think about mindset and stuff but now it's at the forefront of people's minds, excuse the pun. I think um, what I notice is that people are generally just interested in it as an area. You know, lots of people just say to me, oh, it sounds really interesting. You know, what? how do you do this? And, what, what you know, ask me lots of questions about it. They're curious about it, I think. And and it, it, it just sounds interesting to people and they want to know more. And I think that curiosity, you know, has has clearly sparked in a lot of young people. And, you know, they're, they're wanting to, to kind of get on board and, and see it as a career for themselves. I mean, I probably get a few people a week messaging me and saying, can you tell me about your career and how you got into it? Wow, that's amazing. Mm. Uh, you know, and actually, it's something that we've we've talked about on the podcast before. Not not in terms of um, <clears throat> for a whole podcast as a topic, but quite often in the conversation, just words such as confidence comes up. Mm. You know, things like that when you're talking about racing, and 
um you know, even just the idea of like putting a good training block together, what does that do? It doesn't just give you the sort of fitness and the speed you need. Mm. It gives you the confidence as well going into the race. So it, it's something that comes up a lot, you know, on, on this podcast mm. alone, which I think is, it, it just speaks to everything you've just said there. Um, but I'm interested, as I say, in the kind of, you know, we're at the start of 2024. Um, so, I mean, I know some people kind of see the season as being um, the autumn sort of through to the summer. For me, there's there's a nice bit of clarity around a new year, and and sort of personally, I always look at the calendar year ahead. So I just thought, um, you know, to, talking about goal setting, you know, with you because that's something that you'll do with teams and individuals, you know, in all yeah. in all of the work that you do. So it, is setting goals one of the things that you you look at when you kind of put together, say, a plan of working with a team or a set of individuals? Is that one of the first things you sort of think about? It is really. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm always looking, particularly people who want to work with me individually, um, is, you know, what their intentions are for going through a series of sports psychology sessions. So, you know, one of my first questions might be, well, here you are sitting here today with your swimming and what, what you're doing, whatever it is. Over there is after you've completed some sports psychology sessions, what, how, how would it be different with you over there? Would you be doing anything differently? What, how do you want it to look? after you have had them and then again that's a really good way of drawing out goals from people in terms of well actually I'm I'm kind of embarking on this because I think that sports psychology can help me achieve my over there and what that looks like so and and it's exactly the same with with teams as well you know it's you know if you're going to be having a sports psychologist in your environment what outcomes do you want as a result of that you know what are you looking for and again you know it really depends on what people come up with as to what goals you're then working towards, you know, I mean, to just give give you some examples of goals that I've had this week from people that I've worked with, you know, I want to know if it's my mind that's holding me back when I race, you know, that, that, that's a goal for me in terms of a sports psychology session, you know, I want to be able to manage my nerves better at the start line, I want to learn some cognitive techniques, you know, to manage feeling daunted, um, I want my team to make good decisions under pressure. You know, all these are all kind of goals that we end up coming round to having had some conversations. Um, and then it's up to me then to think, okay, this this is the goal for this person. What psychological techniques, cognitive mm. theory can I apply to that in a practical way that's going to be relevant um, for this individual or this team? Yeah, absolutely. So, so then uh, uh, sort of a very basic question, really, but just on the back of what you said there, why is goal setting important? Why should we all be doing this? <laughs> well, you know, the, the the primary reason, I suppose, is is that it provides direction and focus for something that you want to achieve, you know, and, and you know, all psychology research says that effective goal setting does show moderate to highly effective um, enhancement of performance. So, you know, there are performance benefits for setting goals, absolutely. Um, majority of successful athletes, when they have their best performances, it's when they're using a multiple kind of goal strategy. So short-term goals and a mixture of long-term goals. So, you know, yes, direction and focus, but it also can make a big difference to performance. And if that's what people are after, then um, it's a very wise thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And you just touched on there that the sort of the short term, long term, etc. Talk us through the different types of goals. And also what you know, so if, if we were sitting down as master swimmers or, or just swimmers generally, and we wanted to think, you know, want to perform, you know, better this year or, or achieve a certain thing, mm-hmm. what types of goals should we be looking at? So when I'm setting goals with, um, with people, I, I sort of break it down to three different types of goals. Um, so 
the outcome goal is the one that I always start with because that's the exciting one. That's the most motivating one. And that's the one that is outside of your control. So in swimming, for example, it might be, I want to break 60 seconds for 100 freestyle. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I'm being a bit too ambitious for myself there. But, you know, it, it might be time time related is what I'm saying in terms of swimming, you know. So um, it's not necessarily in your control, but it's something that excites you, motivates you. It's challenging. It might be difficult, but it is also realistic. Then the kind of layer below outcome goal, I would call performance goal. So that is where you're monitoring if you are on track. So this is where you may set yourself challenges for improvement that might have a new, if we're talking about swimming, it might have a numerical value. So it may be that I'm going to do a few meets um, and I'm going to try and get within, you know, 0.3, 0.4, 0.5 or whatever of that 60 seconds. Um, and that's, you know, if I'm getting close, then I know I'm on track. So that's a what I would call a performance goal, where you're kind of monitoring how you're doing in relation to your outcome goal. And then the layer that sits below performance goal would be your process goals. Um, and those are the things that are most directly in your control. So that's your day-to-day. That's your kind of weekly training where you're looking at things which are tangible, things that you um, are relevant to your outcome goal and, and, and helping you. So, for example, if we were looking at the 100 freestyle, you know, sub 60 seconds, it might be okay. So a progress goal is going to be, I'm going to work on the technique of my turn, for example, because I know that's going to be um, really relevant to, to help if I can get faster on my turns, it might help me with my time. And those day-to-day things are, um, are what would would sit at, at, at the bottom. So for me, it's a layered approach with those three different types. So with, with outcome goals, which are obviously, like you say, the exciting part, do you ever recommend uh, for so I remember Michael Andrew, you know, obviously the the um, US swimmer, he's got a, a big picture uh, when he goes down the stairs on the wall that he's faced with. He's got I think it's twenty point nine, and that is the fifty freestyle time that he wants to achieve, which would be a world record, by the way. So he's got that, and he looks at that every single day. Do you ever recommend stuff like that, like put you know put a picture on the wall or do something? Yeah, absolutely. I would do. I think it can be incredibly motivating for people. Um, again, I'd always have a kind of caveat with that in terms of what you don't want a goals to become a burden mm. on you. You know, you don't want it to become a burden. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking we were talking about Adam, Adam Peaty beforehand, you know, when he had this Project 56, that did become a burden. And he actually, when he wanted to go sub 56, I think it was 56, yeah, Project 56, he called it. He wanted to go sub 57 seconds. That was the target. That's what all his training was geared towards, but it became a burden on him. It became too much. Um, and the pressure of trying to achieve that um, actually didn't make him very happy in the water and didn't make him very happy in training. So it's got to be exciting. It's got to be motivating. You've got to be able to want to do it. Um, and I, I think an outcome goal absolutely can be that. You just have to manage that in terms of the expectation that it's putting on yourself. Absolutely. And then the other two um, layers but that sit beneath that, how important is it? So, so for example, you mentioned about uh, working on certain technique, you know, in training, but so, sometimes it's difficult when it's not um, like a numerical goal. So I'm, I'm thinking, for example, if I go to the gym, um, I can be like, right, today, you, you know, I'm going to do a test and see how much I can do it on a squat for one rep. And then you, you get to walk away with a with a definitive number. Whereas if it's something that's more te- technical, it's more observational um, and, and just a, a bit more opinion based. Do you recommend sort of trying to steer away from too many of those types of uh, of goals that, you know, 
one person could say, well, I think it's good. And the other person could say, well, I don't think it's good. Whereas nobody can, can deny, for example, an 80 kilogram squat. We all know it's 80 kilograms. Well, that's the thing, isn't it, about, about outcomes is that they're just easily measurable. People talk about them because they're easy to talk about because you you know you can form a judgment on it you know it, it's a very easy thing to do but but actually those those progress goals are the ones that on a day-to-day basis that you can recognize for yourself as an achievement and and I think that's where some people can make errors with goal setting is that they don't look at those process goals enough and see success within them because actually if you see success within them it, it's going to affect your mastery of what you're trying to do and if it affects your mastery of what you're trying to do you're feeling more competent you know, and if yeah, you're feeling no. more competent, it affects things like self-confidence, which, as we know, key ingredient for performance. So the knock-on effect of that, I think, is is really important. So seeing the small steps in whatever they might be, if they're, if they're as you say, they're not so tangible, but you notice the difference that, and you recognising them is really important. Mm, com- completely agree. In terms of... Um... When when you work with anybody about you know around setting goals, let, let's think specifically about individuals here. When you're working with individuals rather than rather than a team setting, it, it's it's so important to set goals. But but do you want to put a limit on how many goals people are setting? And you know, in terms of like the process goals and and stuff like that, to to not kind of overwhelm people. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't put a number on it, but but I absolutely generally speaking, most people probably only have a you know they, they're not going to have a huge list of outcome goals that. That, that's part of the process that they go through and they realise I want them to be memorable, you know, and particularly the process goals, you want them to be memorable. So, I mean, I might look at sort of, if, if people are writing it down, and actually that's a really important thing to say, is that you are more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down. That research says that. So if you have a goal and you write it, whether you put it on the wall or not, or it's on your phone, even if you've just gone through the process with yourself or with somebody else, it's much more likely to happen. But, um, you know, remembering what they are is important. So not to have too many um, and just have visual reminders so that they're in your in your mind the whole time when when you're training will help. Mm. Uh, An example that I always think of here is is, you know, (laughs) and like you speak to your friends or your family or whatever and going into a new year, people always say, you know, for example, I want to get fitter, stronger leaner this year so i'm going to try and drink a bit less i'm going to cut the sugary stuff out i'm going to stop doing this i'm going to go it's better i think god there's so many things that you're trying to do there that that are all individual things that you've got to think about and actually Mm. it's a no wonder why it kind of never happens whereas say for example you just said i'm gonna really cut down my drinking forget about your food intake or anything else the chances are you're probably actually find that you make progress because you've really Mm. focused on on one thing yeah, absolutely. And and then you see the success in those few things as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, of which course. Is important. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how can you, or, or, sorry, not how can you, but how can achieving um, goals, and I'm thinking again more about the process goals here along the way, or, or can they snowball into achieving more and more? So you, you have this outcome goal, and then you have your process goals that are kind of leading you towards that. But actually, have have you ever found that people that because they because they've got really tangible process goals and they're able to stick to them, that it just ends up unlocking all this new stuff that they'd not even thought about? Yeah, absolutely. I think it can. And just what I said there about the links between, you know, the that gaining momentum with progress goals that 
you then maybe you're achieving your performance goals, you're feeling you've got those that sense of confidence, you've got competence um sense as well. So all of those things that when you then come to perform are all going to to, to help you in terms of, of putting your best performance out there. And of course, if you are then putting out good performances, you're you're being rewarded for the hard work that you're putting in and the goals that you've set yourself. So you might then set some more and you might set slightly more challenging goals and you're stretching mm. yourself and stretching yourself. Um I think using the people around you is really important there as well. And I and I certainly think that um, sharing in your goals is, again, another really important thing to, um, to, to, to help you gain momentum with them because it helps you stick to them, but also you get support with it. You know, people asking you questions about how you're going with that. What's, you know, is it working for you? What are you doing? And, and you, you know, you, you learn from other people and um, that helps keep the momentum going as well. And I certainly think within a training group as well, you can certainly see momentum with goals. I mean, you know, I think you look at some of the, the, the groups of swimmers in British swimming at the moment, particularly I'm thinking, you know, off the top of my head, men's 200 freestyle, you know, that mm. there's this, this group and they're all very competitive. They're all very close. They're kind of beating each other. Then somebody else beats beats them. And, and, and again, I, I think that is fueling this kind of group dynamic of success. Um, it's breeding success within the group. And I think that absolutely can happen within the club environment as well. Definitely. And, and actually that, that goes back to the Adam Peasy point, doesn't it? You know, the, the Project 56, that he, he was so far ahead of his competition that it was like, well, what can I focus on then? So he, he just mm-hmm. kind of came up with it. Not, not, not an arbitrary number, but he just sort of came up with a number for the sheer hell of it, really, because what else did he have to really think about? Whereas, the, you know, the, those, like you say, the, the men's uh, 4x200 or just the 200 swimmers mm-hmm. generally, they've got so much going on all around them that, you know, and they're getting beat one week and then they're beating them the next week. It's, it's almost, like you say, it's fuel. It's so easy to, to stay motivated in that kind of environment, isn't it? Whereas an Adam Peaty, it can be very difficult. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so um, yeah, I, I think other people, really important. Um, getting feedback as well, I think is really important for your goals. So, yes, have a goal, but, you know, if you can talk to somebody else about it and, and maybe it's a coach, you know, maybe it's a fellow swimmer, but try and get feedback on how they think you're doing with that goal, you're much more likely to perform better and be successful if you get feedback with the goals that you're doing. Yeah, for sure. You, you said earlier about um, sharing your goals with with people, and especially in like a team environment, for example, you know, with, with swimmers, or maybe sharing your, your goals with your coach or something like that. <laughs> we have a tendency, generally, I think, to kind of want to keep our goals under our hat because we don't want to uh, put the pressure on ourselves by everybody else knowing what what you're aiming for. W- would you Would you suggest sharing those outcome goals with people, or is it more the kind of process goals that you suggest sharing, or, or all of them? Do you know, I actually would suggest sharing all of them. I, yeah. I think it's great that people know other people's goals, you know. like I, I, I love the fact if I know about somebody's goal that I go to Sheffield and I'm like, oh, how, how's it going, you know, with yeah. with the 100 free or whatever, you know, how, how how's it looking? How, how's training been going? And um, pe- people like talking about their goals, you know. I, I think um, I, I know what you mean, that's, that, that – it can become a pressure and some people feel that if they tell people it then puts pressure on themselves and they they uh that they don't actually want to achieve them but I think knowing that the more support that you have with them the more likely you are to achieve your outcomes should be an important thing for people to remember it's not there as a pressure telling other people they're there to support you and generally people do want to support you you know they want to help you try and achieve things so it may be that they just 
tell you something that's a really useful bit of information that you go away and you do something and you act on it and it makes all the difference to you. So um, I would certainly encourage people to do it. Um, Yes, an outcome goal. Yes, a performance goal. Yes, a progress goal. I don't think it makes a difference. I think sharing them is only going to help you and benefit you. Mm, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm always happy to share my goals. And I think something that you said, you know, like the, an example of Sheffield is if you know that somebody's aiming for something, you can sort of watch out. And, I, and, and actually, I think that's a, I think that's a great thing, because if nothing else, it's it's a nice talking point, isn't it? When you when you kind of bump into somebody, you know, in the terraces or, or in you know, out for a coffee you know straight away oh there's there's joe blogs you know how's it going have you have you, yeah. you know have you got your race later and how are you feeling for that time you want to get or your british record or mm. whatever it may be and i think that's um yeah i'm completely on the same on the same page as you with that um uh, in terms of uh, visualization <clears throat> this is something I, i've never really done before myself but i've heard a lot of people talk about it um i remember sort of ben proud talking around the idea of he would play I think he said he would play music for like 10 minutes every night before he goes to bed and he would just he'd have his earphones in and he would visualize his race over and over again for 10 minutes literally from walking out to touching the you know pads at the end is that is that something that can help you stay on track with your goals uh yes it is and it's a very very a reliable psychological skill that people can draw upon and use effectively. There's an awful lot of evidence in swimming that says it can be really, really effective. I've used it lots with many swimmers. And and as you say, it can be used for all different kinds of things. So Ben Proud, they're using it, you know, in the lead up to, to the swim. But it could be if you want to try and master a particular, you know, hand entry on, on front crawl or hand entry on backstroke. Um, it, it can be used for all different kinds of things. It can be for motivating, it can be managing stress, um, pr- a pre-performance routine. Um, seeing is believing, you know, that phrase that um, if, if you can see yourself do it, then you can believe that you can do it. So I, I'm sure that he was using it in a way that would help him have a consistent approach prior to racing, managing nerves, going going through the race, seeing how he wanted it to be in the ideal world, you know, what the term was going to look like, what the dive would look like, what his hand wrench would be like, how he would look as he'd go in the water, all of those kind of things. The more you bring it alive, the more vivid images that you can have and the more detailed you can be, the more effective the visualisation can be. Um, so um, in terms of, you know, your your outcome goal, maybe it's a time in swimming, you know, it might be that you visualise, you know, how that amazing start's going to look, what that turn's going to look like, how you're going to finish in the last five metres and that touching the wall and looking up at the clock and it's showing the time there that you want to see. Uh, it can feed into the excitement of a of an outcome goal. It can help you to believe that you can do it, which then, of course, will drive motivation when you get into training to try and make it work. No, I completely agree with that. Here's, here's a question. When you speak to people about visualisation... Do they ever tell you whether they see themselves as a whole, as a you know, they see their own body from afar, or whether they see what they're visualizing through their eyes within the within the visual? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's an interesting question because when I go through the process of um, working on visualization with somebody, it's something that we talk about because the, the, you, you, what you've just described there are the two different ways that you can visualize. Generally speaking, most people will 
write a visualization script in the first person. So they will see it as themselves doing it. They will be, I, I am doing this, I am doing that. The other form of visualization is almost like you're kind of watching down on yourself and you're looking at yourself doing it and you are doing this, you are doing that. Some people prefer that, but the majority of people, I would say, and research does say actually that most people do it in the first person and, and see themselves doing it. Interesting, because although I said I've never practiced visualization specifically for, say, swimming before, you know, you do sometimes, um, you know, like have have a dream when you're in bed or something like that about something or or occasionally you just pitch yourself doing something very quickly. And I always see it as the person from afar looking down at at Mm. you, not I. That's really interesting. Mm. I've Mm. never... And, and I was always intrigued with uh, kind of what the most uh, the most common thing was. And um, aside from vis- visualization, um, are there any other things or, that people can do to help them sort of stay on track with their goals, especially the process goals? I actually think it's worth thinking about the barriers that you might have to your goals as well. I think that's an important part of goal setting because, as we all know, in you know day to day life, stuff can get in the way, right? And particularly as master swimmers, I think as well, you know. We have busy other lives um, and that it's absolutely normal for barriers to crop up. And again, with effective goal setting, the more that you um, think about what those barriers might be, the flexibility that you can have within your goals, I think the more likely you are to stay on track with your goals and and keep positive around goals if maybe you're not um, achieving what you're wanting exactly when you're wanting it. So. Um, there could be a number and I, again I would encourage people to think about the different kind of barriers they might be so that might be an internal barrier which might be lacking of self-confidence for example suddenly you know you've got a blip I don't know that I can achieve this maybe my outcome goal is too challenging um lack of physical ability that's like me at the moment with my <laughs> with my fractured ankle you know that actually physically something happens you know you get a tweak in your shoulder that you're going to be set back uh from your goals maybe you realize or you think those goals are too difficult or you're feeling there's too much pressure on you or you put too much pressure on yourself you know we kind of alluded to that a bit earlier that might be an internal barrier whereas external barriers might be things like lack of training time you know job is you know you're going to have a particularly busy time at work so think okay well how am I going to manage that if I know that I'm not going to be training as much so you it's all helping yourself be psychologically prepared for these things you know Lack of social support, maybe suddenly, I don't know, friends aren't around, you, you're not getting the, the feedback that you were getting from um, the, from goals. Yeah, commitments, family responsibilities, all those kind of things. So I think looking at those internal and external barriers that might happen, it's important to consider them and think about strategies that you could put in place if you were faced with those to help you stay on track. Mm, absolutely. And I, I know for me that a big thing is, not trying to do too much because actually it's just so unlikely that you'll manage to achieve it because of the things that you just said them probably more so the external things from my point of view um you know just just things getting in the way work getting busy and and i know that um there were times last year where i thought oh you know i could train twice today but because i've got a bit of time but i I never i never i just never let myself train twice because the moment i train twice i think i can do this all the time now and then I'll, suddenly I'll realise I can't train twice a day because other things get in the way. So I, I, last year for me was a big like you, you do one thing a day, and even if you feel like you could carry on, you know, and go do something in the morning, you could go later. Just stick mm-hmm. to one a day, and you know 
you'll be on track sort of thing. So I think, um, yeah, that's definitely something I've experienced. I mean, that's a really good strategy to put in place. I mean, that's having really good self-awareness, right? You recognise what you're like. You know that maybe, you know, (laughs) doing two might down the line make you feel like, oh, bad because you you can't do two. So so you're managing yourself within that, um, which is great, great awareness. Yeah, definitely. Uh, We talked earlier, obviously, about sharing uh, goals with people um, because that can help generate excitement. Do you think it's also important to have one, two, three people that you tell um, them your goals because you want that accountability, whether it's your partner at home saying, what what you're not training tonight? Why aren't you training? Is it because you can't be bothered? Because I thought you wanted to achieve this. You know, is, is that quite a healthy thing for people? I, yeah, I mean, I absolutely think that um, accountability can be motivating, you know, um, and we all need reminders, right? And we all have days where we just don't feel like it and we don't want to do it. So somebody going, come on, I'm going to go with you or somebody saying, come on, you know, you're going to feel better if you do. Um, I, I think is a, a, a really great motivating factor for people. Um, I think as well, I know people who've targeted certain people because they know they'll be really honest with them and be like, no, I'm telling you now, go, you know, go and do it. Um, because they're good friends and they're, they're doing what maybe you've asked them to do. So, so I, I think absolutely using other people is just such a great source of support in, in a multitude of facets, really. So Completely keep, using, agree keep using other people. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. So what if we mess up, you know, what, what if we're, you know, I mean, here we are in sort of mid January, we've got the British uh, champs uh, at the end of April. So we know we've kind of got three and a half months of training so we might be putting some sort of a plan strategy together for three and a half months that include all the various uh, layers of goals that we've talked about. What if mid-February or early March, you realise you're messing up, you're not quite achieving what you want to achieve in terms of the day-to-day stuff. Like, how, how do we get ourselves back on track? Um, is it a case of reassess or do we, are there other factors that we can we can think about? I think when you're setting goals in the first place, being flexible with those goals is really, really important. If you're setting really, really rigid, rigid goals where it's imposing a lot of demands on yourself, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. Um, so being really flexible means that when you come across setbacks or those barriers that we have just talked about and you've thought about how you, a strategy for how you might overcome them, you're probably going to be better prepared for getting yourself back on track than you would be if you had this really rigid regime. So I would certainly say um, flexibility within your plan and also this uh, consistently reviewing them and evaluating your progress. Because, you know, the layers that I've talked about, it may be that you've set yourself some performance goals and let's say you're not meeting them. If you're not meeting them, if you're flexible within your goals, then maybe you realize that it's been too challenging. Yeah. And actually, because of various things that have happened, you still think it's realistic, but maybe it's been too challenging. So you have to, to reset them. So just because you've made a goal in January doesn't mean to say it has to be the same goal in February. It may be that you alter it and you change it because what you want is to achieve it. Because if you're then achieving it, even if it is a little bit challenging, it means that you're developing competence, which has this knock-on effect with, as we know, mastery and, and self-confidence. So um, I think flexibility within the goal-setting plan in the first instance and consistently reviewing it and being brave and saying, do you know what? I'm going to have to alter this because it's not working. Using that support network to encourage you to 
you know, to get back in, to get back up again um, and, and, and give it another go. Um, and that's where, you know, social support can really happen if you're finding it really, really difficult. Um, I, I've, I've also, um, when I've worked with people, if they've had a particularly rough time, I don't know, maybe they've been injured and they've come back and it's, it's set yourself some easy goals. Yeah. Just do some easy things that are achievable that will make you feel good. And if you're doing stuff that make you feel good, generally speaking, you're then going to you know, feel a bit more better about yourself and then you might have a bit more drive to say, okay, let's go a bit more challenging next time. Mm, it does manifest, doesn't it? Because I think, um, you know, like often if you say you've been on holiday or you've had a bit of a break over Christmas and you've not really done any exercise or, or whatever for a week or two, actually just that first session back, just just turning up and doing a session, even if it's rubbish, like, you know, it, in yeah. terms of the standards of what you normally hit, you come away and you just like you're like right, I'm back on track now, and you you get that positive yeah. energy from from just turning up and doing that workout. It, oh, it, it really can manifest, yeah. can't it? Absolutely. And I, I mean, the number of conversations I've had at the swimming pool with like, you know, how's it been going? How's training been going? And people say, well, I'm here, you know, and actually, I think sometimes just just being able to show up at a, a, a you know, a swim gala, it doesn't matter what ends up happening in the pool, the fact that you've actually managed to get there can be, has been a target for some people in itself. And that doesn't matter. And it, you know, it, it means that they're there, it means that they're, you know, within the sport that they love and they're meeting friends etc and that's that's just going to give them people a boost so um i i think absolutely you know having you know people are going to have goals of all different levels and it's just identifying the ones that are the most important for you no completely agree so given everything that we've just sort of talked about so far let's say that um those listening to this are thinking right you know good idea let's let's get the pen and paper out let's uh, let's start making some goals talk us through the process um of what people should sort of do they've got a blank page just white paper they want to start filling it with stuff what just tell us to talk us through the process okay so um i'd say um yep you're sitting down you've got your piece of paper it's right i'm going to think about my action plan this is my action plan so the first thing would be to identify what those goals are. Um, and it may just be in the first instance, you just want to write down, you know, okay, swimming, 2024, what's going to excite me? Mm. You know, and just just start off like that, put, putting down those ideas. And then, you know, when you go through the process, talk it through with people, it's like, okay, do you want to narrow it down? Are there some specific targets, a specific outcome goal? Um, I think it's really important to have an outcome goal, um, one that's going to really excite you put it up there, write it down on, on the piece of paper. Then it's like, okay, so now I'm, I'm looking at how am I going to try to get myself there? So then you go to your performance goals. And again, it may be you target certain events. How would you know you're on track? Then you look at your process goals. So you, you, you get to the point where I, I sort of do it as like a pyramid almost, you know, with the outcome goal at the top, the, the processes are like the foundation of a pyramid, the pyramid at the bottom. So you write write them out. Remember we said writing them is really important. So whether it's on your phone, on a piece of paper, whatever it is, write them out. I then think it's good to review with somebody. So it may be, you know, your training partner. It might be a swim coach, uh, somebody who knows about swimming or whatever it is you're writing goals about that can say, yeah, you know, I think you've done a great job there. Have you thought about this or why have you put that in? You know, and you just review it with somebody. Put them up somewhere computer screen 
you know, downstairs toilet, wherever you're going to see them on a regular basis as a visual reminder. Um, I think that's an important thing as well. Um, and then you, you get to work, right? You get you get to work on 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 the the day to day. So that's going to be you know in training. Um, I don't know whatever those process goals are, whether it's nutrition, whether it's S and C, all those things, um, and you, and you start working towards them. But within your setting goal process, you have something that you've put in your diary that says, "I'm going to review my goals." Yeah, and that's the day when you do them and um, and evaluate how how am I progressing here? Do I need to alter some of them? And absolutely, you might need to. So go for it. You know, put that in. Can alter I, them. Can I jump in there actually and ask. Mm. What sort of a time period do you think people should put on that review? Is it a couple of weeks? Is it a month? It probably depends on what their outcome goal is, because if it's a certain event, um, you know, it might be a few months down the line. It might be a few weeks down the line. I, I, I think depending on on what the time, the, the whole time frame is that you're looking at, it, it, you know, you need to just kind of be a bit sensible about where that would be. But reviewing them, it might be. You know, it could be on a weekly basis um, that that you do that. Um, it might be every fortnight, depending, as I say, on what on what the actual time frame is. Um, I know there are quite a lot of swimmers that like to kind of write down their training sets, and they have a kind of a monitoring system themselves. That, in effect, is going to be like an ongoing review process. Anyway, I don't think there's there's a a particular set time frame for doing it. It's just kind of what makes sense as to for what you're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. So then in terms of when they, so if we're aiming for an event, let's just say the British champs, it's, it's, you know, the end of April, I think it's about 15 weeks out, something like that. So so we're talking about a good old solid training block here. You can really get your teeth stuck into, into this and, yeah. you know, it's, it gives people time to really go for it. They, they race at the British champs and regardless of how they've done, whether they've achieved their goal, just come short or come very short what would you would you always recommend you you then follow the same process post event would would it always be a review of 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 all the things you know, did you achieve all your process do you do you kind of recommend that review before you kind of start thinking about the next thing i think it is definitely worth doing because it may be that if you're really honest with yourself you look at it and think well actually i didn't do the things that i said i would do um or maybe i you know i, I yeah, that, that I just, you know, being honest and, and, and looking at what you've done and saying, did I do that? If you do look at it and it's like, actually, I gave it 100%. I did everything I can. Um, it may be, do I want to keep the same goal? Do I still think it's it's doable? Or do I want to review it a bit? Do I want to change um, some things within it? Um, I just think it gives you information if you review. You know, it gives you information and, and will help you with the planning moving forwards. Um, so, it doesn't have to be a really long process or anything, but I but I think if you if you want to really learn from it, it's a good it's a good thing to do. No, absolutely. Well, it all sounds really really good, and um, I've got some goals myself that I've written down. Uh, I've written them down on my phone, but I'm sort of quite tempted now to go away and and actually write this out on paper. And actually, I might I quite like the the, the pyramid idea. I think that's uh, something I'm gonna gonna do myself. Mm. So um, would definitely recommend others doing it as well. And are you open at the moment for working with individuals? Yes, I am. Yes, I've. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I do have a bit of a waiting list, but I, I, you know, I can tr- try and see people when I can, um, and always enjoy working with swimmers. So, um, absolutely. Brilliant. So that is uh, www.thinkbelieveperform.com or .co.uk. 
www.ghostbusters.co.uk. That's correct. Okay, yeah, okay. and you can you can send me an email through that, and and also you can see the you know examples of work that I do um, on my website as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, testimonials from people about the kinds of things that they've worked on with me. Hopefully, it's useful for people to kind of see the breadth um, that's there. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll do check it out if if you know even if you're just curious to know a little bit more about Helen and the work that she does, then it's definitely worth uh, having a look at her website. But thank you very much. I really enjoyed that, and and as I say, I'm genuinely feeling quite inspired myself to go away and and sort of um, increase on my goals here. So uh, yeah, thank you very much, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Well, thanks very much, and good good luck with them. Um, if you set any goals, good luck with them. Uh, I hope uh, you're able to fulfil them. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.